The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you are a worker, I want to thank you. If you get up every day, work hard, thank you. And by work, I could mean a whole variety of things. Keeping a home clean, raising children, keeping the car running, mowing the yard, volunteering your time, working a side hustle, checking in on friends and family, and, you know, of course, having that ubiquitous eight to five. Basically, being productive, being a producer. If those are activities that define your day, seriously, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You are to me commended and encouraged and thanked, for you are using your talents and the time and the strength that God has given you, and you are putting them to use for your neighbor. Civilization itself, whether as small as a household or as large as a nation, depends on hard work and a commitment to virtue. In fact, those things really go hand in hand. 
To work hard is to be virtuous, assuming the work you're doing itself is good. To not work is to pursue vice. So it is not lost on me, and is certainly not lost on God, that your daily work is a great good for the world. It is urgently needed, and it is not taken for granted here. So often, especially in the church, the message you might hear from a pulpit is one of, we need more from you, right? The church needs more of your volunteer time, more of your money, more event participation, more committee membership. And when the church says those things, the truth is that it's often saying it to a group of overachievers. Especially in America, your average churchgoer is probably someone who works hard, generously gives, and, you know, is accountable enough to get out of bed on a Sunday morning and show up to church. And then we are told that we need to do more. No wonder so many volunteers can burn out of church life. On top of all of that, our message, our main message, our primary message, which is not false, of course, is one of sin and forgiveness. Well, to offer you grace, we must first convict you that you need it because, well, you're kind of a scoundrel. So often a message of you aren't good enough goes out to those who are actually seeking to be better. Sure, we understand that no one is perfect. We're all sinners. We all fall short, even those of us who try to do the right thing. But it can often feel like a one-two punch when the message of the church is, you're a sinner, quickly followed by, but we need more of your hard-earned money. So again, if you're a hard worker, I want to say thank you. Thank you for seeking to do the right thing, for pursuing virtue. It matters. It's the right thing to do. It is the way we are called to live. And your hard work outside of the church has tremendous value in the kingdom of God. Don't you listen if the church communicates to you a message that says only what you do on Sunday morning matters and what you do Monday to Saturday is of no consequence. This parable speaks against that. Now, as always, caveats need to be made. It's true that our American culture, call it the Protestant work ethic or whatever, can make hard work kind of an idol in and of itself. In fact, we often justify ourselves, our self-worth, our, our value, etc., by being hard workers or maybe even being workaholics. We use the excuse, I'm too busy, as a shield, and those words can easily become a kind of virtue signal in and of themselves. How good of a person are you? Well, I'm such a good person that I'm too busy to make time for anyone or anything else. Yeah. Pastors in particular have a bad habit about complaining how busy they are. Don't uh, let that happen. If your pastor, or if you need something from your pastor, you just let him know, all right? And then there's the whole issue of the Sabbath rest. We're going to talk about how busy we are. We need to remember that the Bible, that God himself says, rest one day a week. 
I suspect many of us are very bad at making that and observing that as a custom in our life, even though it is grace, it's a grace we often deprive ourselves of because of how highly we value work. And then there are those who, for whatever reason, cannot work. Maybe they can't work with their hands. Sometimes shut-ins will say, I'm so sorry I can't make it to church and help out anymore. And I say, well, pray. We need your prayers more than anything. And prayer is the most important work in the church. So I don't want to overvalue work that people can do. And, you know, if you're retired, it's well-earned. Enjoy it. I'm not only talking about your, your, like I said, your eight-to-five job. My point is that in this parable, we see really two types of people, three people, but two types. Jesus is using a kind of rhetorical way of teaching where you have two that are the same, but the third is different. The two that are the same, well, they get different amounts based on their ability, but they do the same thing with it. They double the investment through hard work, and then they can return a doubled investment to the master, and then they are invited into the joy of the master. The one-talent person is specifically called lazy. Worse, he blames his master for his condition, saying, well, I knew that you are a harsh man. You know, you reap where you do not sow. And so I took the talent and hid it in the ground. But really, he took his gift and he did nothing with it. And the master does not share the blame for that, even if he was a wicked man. Because as the master says, look, if you're afraid of me, you could have given it to the banker and at least made a little bit of interest on it. Is what the man did so wrong? You know, a talent in the Bible is a unit of weight. Could be a talent of gold, could be a talent of silver. Jesus doesn't say. A talent of gold in today's money would be worth about a million and a half dollars. Uh, actually, the price of gold is going up. Maybe two million dollars. Talent of silver, maybe around twenty thousand dollars. So, Maybe it's good that he at least, you know, preserved it. He didn't do like the prodigal son and go off and, and waste it. Not according to the master. He refused to work. That was a problem. He is specifically called wicked and lazy. And maybe there's a connection here uh, in Jesus' teaching about the end of the age. This, again, is a series of parables that answers the question about the end of the age. Remember, we had the story of the bridesmaids and the bride, and the bridegroom is delayed in coming. The five had oil, the five did not. And here, the master goes away, and then after a long time, comes back. Maybe the guy with the one talent was like, well, I'll bury it, and I'll get to it later. Maybe he had every intention of using that talent to make money, but he thought the master would come later. But the parable's clear, it was a very long time when the master was going to reappear. Anyway, it seems that Jesus is saying, instead of assuming that you'll have time later to utilize your talents, you are called to hop to right now. I'm concerned that our remarkable affluence as a nation and society tempts us to laziness and entitlement. A lot of our political debates even will use this word, entitlement. I wish we could take that word and just eliminate it from our vocabulary. We, we'll talk about things now like a guaranteed minimum income or free college tuition. To say nothing of something like free health care 
which is placed alongside a, a, like a human right, like the freedom of speech or the, to gather in worship, for example. Work for those things? Earn them? Employ our talents? No. No, they're just sort of given to us as though we deserve them. They're entitlements to us. But putting economics aside, entitlement is spiritual suicide. It is impossible to be an entitled person and a Christian. The two ways of being are mutually exclusive. You must choose. Entitlement puts you in a posture of making demands on a holy God instead of assuming that we are to serve him. This is not the message of the Bible, that God exists to serve us. Rather, we are called to serve him. We are, in fact, entitled to nothing. We do not hold the cards, and we are in no place to make demands. In fact, it is us who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are called to battle that sin, to recognize it, to repent of it. And instead of seeing ourselves as entitled or serving ourselves, we're called to serve God and to serve our neighbor instead. Still, in spite of the fact that God owes nothing to us, God does not hold it against us when we... uh, when we, if we, repent of our entitlement and accept his free gift of grace. In gratitude for the master's generosity, we receive the gift, and he will bring us into the pleasure of his kingdom. We will enter into the joy of our master, not because we worked hard per se, but because we trusted in the master, and we were grateful for the gifts of the master. We chose lives of gratitude rather than lives of entitlement. That is the difference between these two parties. One shows his thanks to the master by investing the talents given. And one is ungrateful, which leads him to be wicked and lazy. In gratitude, then, let us work for our God and our neighbor, making full use of of every talent given. Amen.